She looks angry. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is the one and only Lexa White. What's happening, Lexa? It's been a while. It's been a minute. Too long, some might say, but I'm glad we're here now. What are you up to? Yeah. Uh, many things. Morlocks is still going strong. I've started a new article series that will come out sporadically called The Jink Emporium. And I am ramping up to run a Elvio Invitational Series event at my local game store, Mox Boarding House in Bellevue, on June 11th. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, Elvio's qualifiers are, are kind of a thing now. And I'm yeah. re- really glad you're getting to do one. Oh, yeah. No, it's super exciting. It's going to be a 32-man cap tournament, so Sweet. that's going to be really exciting. Heck, yeah. And we're doing one here locally in Memphis also in June, so I'm really excited for that. And it's one of those things where, like, the way they've structured it, you don't just automatically <clears throat> gain entry to the tournament if you win, but it's like a points-based system. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool, really exciting, and... It's one of those things where it encourages people to try to get out to as many as possible if they're really interested in that competitive landscape. Mm -hmm. But I would not be surprised if winning one tournament will get you into this initial one at the very least. Yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, no, we have some local dark horses that are going to be interesting to watch. Oh, yeah? Like how how Uh, so? So, first off, we have Omnis in our local scene. Mm-hmm. So, and he is always a scary person. <laughs> he's a super nice guy. What do you mean he's scary? Oh. I know what you mean. Super nice. Scary when you play him, you know? Oh, yeah. He's very good. But also, we've all gotten a lot of practice against him, so he's a little less scary. Nice. Um, And then we have a local X-Force player who's really been putting in the time. X-Force Avengers. That's a good crossover. He's been running. I like that. Yeah. You know, I I hope X-Force sees some love out there. You know, I think it's one of those things where I don't think they're bad at all. I think X-Force is is pretty solid. (laughs) It's just not solid enough at times. I don't know how to explain it, but you know what I mean. And then uh, we have uh, a absolutely bonkers list that is Avengers Convocation Defenders. Ooh, yeah, I've been trying uh, fiddling with a little something like that myself, actually. Yeah, and sometimes it can be Midnight Suns as well. Oh my it's gosh, an, it's a bonkers list. That sounds crazy, and I'm super amounts of here for it. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, that player just likes to play Steve and Strange together. It is me too. Who is the, who is this person? Because that person is awesome. A uh, local player named Nate who has appeared on Morlocks once. Nice. Well, Nate, if you are listening to this, you rule, my friend, because Steve and Strange Supreme. And maybe even Strange OG, definitely Strange OG too, are pretty legit together. I yeah. can confirm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's it's a lot of exciting stuff happening on the local level. Uh, we are hoping to have a stream up for it, but it's also happening many extravaganza weekend. So oh, we nice, see, yeah. So we will end up competing for views with the mini extravaganza. It will seem like only a holes wouldn't watch you guys a stream. <laughs> we will probably be watching the mini extravaganza, so I guess no. we're all a holes here. Exactly, exactly. Yes, everyone is an a hole here. Apparently, I know I am, but that's just me. 
Uh. <laughs> and on a completely non-Marvel Crisis Protocol note, uh, Fantasy Flight Games has just started teasing the next Arkham Horror expansion, and I am so ready for it. Nice, nice. Oh. Is this the like full-on Arkham Horror or the card game? Uh, the card game. Okay, nice. They are pulling out some of my favorite characters from the old Call of Cthulhu card game. Nice. Having never played that, I am glad that you're excited for it. Oh, I am so excited. Nice. So, Lexa, we've got kind of a bit of a free-form show today for the suits out there. We're not really having a a ton of reveals right now, which is fine. And, you know, we kind of discussed, like, a topic. And we kind of came to the agreement that, you know, let's just have a little free-form fun today on House Party Protocol. And I know what you're thinking out there, suits. You're thinking, Will... You haven't done a full breakdown of the grunt rules yet, and I'm saying to you, I know this, and I'm going to do it, but just not today. <laughs> so I promise I'm not going to let you down there, suits. Uh, we're just I'm just trying to kind of gather my thoughts on the grunts because I still don't have them in a nice, neat little box, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I have played with grunts the last two weeks, and they've certainly been interesting um, and I'll have some jank comment about them later, but I don't, I'm not quite fully realized on them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it makes perfect sense. And it's it's one of those things where there, it's such a new thing for the game, and it's such a different thing for the game that it's it just takes a second, I think, and that's just, that's where I am with it. Mm-hmm. And... We're all pretty good at like identifying a card and reading a card and saying, this is going to do something like this, this is going to do something like that, and then maybe kind of expanding on it in different and unique ways within kind of a, a certain area, I guess would be the way to put it. And it's just hard with these grunts because they're so different from how we've okay. played the game. So yeah, that's coming. Don't you worry. Speaking of grunts... Exactly. See, Lexa, it's like we've done this before. I love it. We have a little bit of a new reveal here. And Atomic Mass Games has gifted us with a reveal about a new Ultimate Encounter set. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. I'm excited. Yeah, it's coming as an organized play kit. That's it. OP kit, uh, so so like a crisis event at your local shop. So yep. So if you want these kind of things, you got to go to your shop and tell them, order it, put your foot down. You know, bring Mjolnir with you to be a little threatening. Maybe I don't know. Don't threaten people. I'm just kidding. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's called Hell to Pay, spelled H E L. And you might be wondering, wait a minute, Hell to Pay? That sounds like Hella. And if you're thinking that, you'd be right, because it's yeah. a Hella based organized play kit i mean is is it 2019 (laughs) yeah like this is really cool and it's this is coming from a character that is woefully underutilized in my humble opinion Mm -hmm. you know like i i really like hella a lot i think she's a fun character on the tabletop and now that she's getting her own ultimate encounter or i keep saying ultimate encounter it is going to be an ultimate encounter it looks like however yes. it's called an organized play kit well so um ultimate encounters are distributed in many different ways uh we have confirmed by the tweet which reads uh defend asgard from hella and her army of the dead in a new ultimate encounter with the hell to pay game night kit there you go so it's an organized play kit, which means it's only being sold to stores and not to individuals. But it is an but what's inside is an ultimate encounter. Yeah. And the reason why we use the segue speaking of grunts is because it definitely appears as though there are grunts coming with this expansion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ultimate encounter. I just said it see, I keep saying the wrong thing, Lexa, and I'm just gonna own it today. Yeah, it happens. It does. But the picture I have isn't exactly clear, so I can't read the text on these grunts. But it certainly appears that they have two stamina, two defenses on everything, maybe even a three on energy and mystic. I can't quite tell. That sounds pretty crazy. And no movement value. Yeah. 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect here, but either way, I think Hella getting some love is awesome. I think it's like a year too late, <laughs> but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think it's really cool. And I think it's one of those things where this is kind of what I think everyone expected when they first started talking about grunts and minion style characters, because way back when we got the Ultron Ultimate Encounter, it talked about minion characters. Mm-hmm. And originally that was just meant to be other characters from the game, you know, like Ultron had, you know, had some kind of mind control device on somebody or something like that. However, yeah. now that we have actual grunts in the game, this is where I thought grunts would be kind of a mainstay would be in something like this. So I think this is really cool. Yeah. It's super exciting. And I have loved every ultimate encounter I've played. Oh yeah. I, I love them or all. Organized placing. Which one's your favorite? <sighs> probably separation anxiety. Yeah. I, I think that's probably whenever I ask somebody that question, that's generally the one that they say is the most fun. And the reason why is just because it's four players doing crazy stuff. Yeah, it's also the one that gets played at our local store the most. It generally gets run once a week. Oh, nice. Nice. I haven't had a chance to do the Colossus one, but I hear it's a lot of fun, too. It's really solid. Um, I got to run that. Um, there are ways to cheese it with certain characters, uh-huh. I will say. Well, we're not going to talk about the cheese here. No. But I also uh, really enjoyed the Hulk one. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't done any of the print and play ones. Oh, okay. But I've done, I think, everything else. Nice. Mutant uh, Masterworks, uh, also a very fun one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, th- both of the ones that come with Dormammu and Thanos are very solid. Um, the Infinity War League is very fun, and you can actually see some of those as proto-versions of crises that have actually come out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've seen the Infinity War organized play kit be done. So it's like set up like a league, but I've seen it done kind of as a one day event, which is also very fun. Uh Uh-huh. And I think it's a great way to introduce new players into the game, which that is probably the single biggest benefit of a shop running a organized play kit or an ultimate encounter whatever you want to call it is that it's a really great way to take the pressure off of introducing new players to the game yeah and it's one of those things where i know that atomic mass games when they originally talked about this game and they originally talked about the ultimate encounters and all of that was revealed and everything they were like you know this is ways for shops to kind of organize and drum up excitement and stuff like that and I don't know about you, Lexa, but at my local shops, it's one of those things where we have like a Marvel Crisis Protocol night, but it's very rare that we get like excitement, you know, event things that are just organized play kits. At my shop, whenever there's a new organized play kit, uh, we set aside a night that month to just one of instead of one of our normal open play nights we just play that instead and that's the dedicated event for it i got you yeah that's a that see to me that's the great idea and that's how i think we maybe need to start doing it locally and it's one of those things i'm going to push for that maybe but it's i just i want to play more ultimate encounters and i want there to be like or organized play kits i want to do more of that stuff and it's one of those things where I feel like that a shop has to at least promote a little bit and make it in this like beginner friendly thing. Cause uh, again, it's, I think it's all about what your local scene is like, but oh, yeah. uh, also asking for these things would be good. So there you go. Yeah, for sure. We've had another confirmation of a piece of news. Confirmation of a piece of news. I, I mean, what is this, Lexa? <laughs> Uh, we got the full model showcase for Supergiant and Black Swan. We sure did. So last week there was a kind of silhouetted reveal, if you will, of some new models in the pipeline. And the speculation ran rampant 
And to everyone out there expecting Moondragon, I'm sorry. Moondragon would be cool. I don't know about you, Lexa. It seemed like there was a lot of people expecting Moondragon and getting insanely hyped for Moondragon. Yeah. Um, but I think, as someone pointed out, I think it was the Infamous podcast pointed out, Moondragon is almost essentially going to be boxed with Farewell. Mm. And so the fact that we could obviously tell that the other person was not Farewell really pushed down my estimation of it being Moondragon. Yeah, so that was definitely not even an aspect I considered. For me, it was the fact that there was a Thanos throne in the background, and it was pretty obvious that this was a Black Order expansion, and yeah. I don't think Moondragon was in the Black Order. So that's where it told me... It, so it's... Moondragon does have a lot of like Thanos connections as an adversary to Thanos. Right. Right. And another fun thing about the way they did the silhouette was Supergiant is typically drawn with her hood up. Yes. And so this model doesn't have a hood up, at least the way they've revealed it. I gotta say, AMG, I hope you have a hood up option. So, uh, just because I find this absolutely hysterical... Omnis on Twitter asked if they could tell us if there was a hood up option. And all that the reply was, was yes. <laughs> there you go. Did not, did not seek to clarify what the answer was or what. It was hysterical. That's awesome. So thank you, AMG, already. Yes, much appreciated yes. for the hood up option because, look, I love your sculpts. I think this is great. Yeah, and that's another thing, like, we'll talk about these characters more in depth whenever they are revealed and everything, but these are pretty cool sculpts, in my humble opinion. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked a lot about Supergiant. The other one here is Black Swan, which is a really cool character, and I'm really excited to see kind of what they bring to Black Order and see if maybe we get a little bit of a differentiation in what Black Order typically does. Do you think we're going to see something like that? Yes. And also another comment I heard, I think again from the Infamous podcast, was that this will soften the blow if they have to tone down Thanos for Black Order players. Mm, interesting. By interesting. giving them more options to play with when they, if they have to tone down Thanos, which I think is something that is entirely possible they may need to do. Yeah, it's you know I'm I'm in a of a few different minds about about the old Mad Titan himself. You know, I think that he's strong. I think that some of the ways that things work now are beneficial to him. But I also feel like that it's not so much that he's strong with Black Order specifically. I think it's just his splash ability that yes. gets out of control. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. So it's I can easily see that getting adjusted, um, but having knock-on effects on Black Order in a way where it's because he is as their leader so central to Black Order as a functional piece, right? As a functional affiliation, that any adjustments to tone him down does have knock-on effects on the affiliation that he leads. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And speaking of leading the affiliation, I know, I know a lot of other people out there are clamoring for another Black Order leader. Yes. And while I don't expect it to be Black Swan or Supergiant proper, we have confirmation that there's a card in this pack called First of the Black Order. Mm -hmm. Now, we've seen before that there's precedent for a card to have a leadership on it in the bar yes. with no doors for convocation. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if this is a leadership or not, but if it is, if they go that route with something, I think that's very cool. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, also, I will note, because this has come up, technically there is one or two more members of the Black Order they could still put out as minis. 
Really? Who's that? Yes. So one, uh, they could do the Black Widow version of Hella. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, we do have a new Hella Ultimate play kit. Yes. Maybe that card is in there. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it too. But that'd be super cool. Uh, and two, there's a character uh, called the Challenger. Interesting. Who kind of took over Black Order for a little bit, but not really, but kind of. It was Black Order in name, but didn't necessarily feel like the same organization at times. I got you. It, comics chicanery. <laughs> yeah, comics are weird, and they do weird things. I was also thinking that they could do like a Thane, Thanos' son. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought that could uh, be kind of cool. Yes, uh, and he would be... The first Black Order character to splash into another affiliation. Which is? Uh, Inhumans. There you go. Yeah. 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 I I would be really excited for that. So I don't know if this new release here is indicative of like a nice new Black Order wave that's coming out or something. But either way, I think these two models are really cool. And I am really excited to see what they do. I think that it's... High time, Black Order got some new toys. Don't get me wrong. They're really good. They're really strong, casually, competitively, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But I think it's really cool that there's new ways to play with them, potentially. Yes, and I'm ready to play Black Swan in every place she's thematically opposed to. (laughs) Why is that? Oh, no, I I love Black Swan as a character, so I'm going to play her a bunch, probably. There you go. And she... Like, throw her in Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. and X-Men where she has no place being thematically. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I think she's going to be... I, I don't know. I just... I love Black Swan, too. I think she's a cool character. And in terms of sculpts, like, this sculpt here is... Like, she looks angry. Oh, yes. I like both of these models fairly well. So I am excited to get my hands on them. Yep. So, Lexa, next up for us to discuss today, that's pretty much all we have for reveals yeah, and news. But, mm-hmm. Lexa, you wrote a little article a while yes. back. What was this uh, article about? So, I, 20 days ago at time of recording, uh, I put out an article on why you should be playing Red Skull out of affiliation. Yes, and so for those of you that are interested in finding this article, you can check it out on Across the Bifrost Nexus. I will have a link in the description to this article, so you'll be able to easily find it. But let's go ahead and talk about the gist of it here. Like, I want you to get your clicks and everything, but I I do think this is worthy of at least breaking down a little bit, because I think it's really interesting. Uh Yeah, so first off, and I'm surprised this math had not been done before, um... The very lovely Jacob from the Xavier Protocols uh, did the math on uh, damage from the cos- uh, from the Cosmic Cube. Oh, and yes. it's a lot lower than you expect. Yeah, so looking at the table here, so Cosmic Cube, you have to roll five dice on his healthy side. For each skull, you take one damage. And suits out there will probably remember... A traumatic experience that I had with Clea with a very similar superpower. And it was four skulls that were rolled in a league match or in my cuts game. If you, yeah, that's what it was in my cuts game. Four skulls rolled and the table here. So skulls, and the only thing we care about on the table here is healthy sided as it relates to Clea just because of this. But so the skulls, the chance to roll zero skulls is about 51%. So you have more than 50% that you're going to take no damage from that superpower. Yeah. That's awesome and means that you should be doing it every time. Yeah. In my humble opinion. So mm-hmm. taking one damage is 36% likely. Seems reasonable. I, yep. I would take that. I think that's a fair trade. Taking two damage, this is the part that surprises me, is the likelihood of two damage is only about 10.5%. So rounding up, we'll go round up to 11%. Mm -hmm. That's a huge drop-off. Yeah. And 
and it means that you're you should very rarely take two damage. Eighty-eight percent, I think it is between uh just about eighty-eight percent uh between zero to to take one or less damage. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty darn good. And then <sighs> let's just keep going down the list here. So taking three damage is one point five percent chance. So high unlikely. And Lexa. How how much damage did I take in that match? Four. Yeah. How likely is that? Uh, 0.11. So out of a thousand rolls, I should have that how many times? Once. Okay, so I'm going to start tracking how many times I roll this, and we'll see if it happens again. I'm kidding. I'm not uh -huh. going to do that. But yeah, one in a thousand. Now, have I rolled yeah. that with Clea a thousand times? I don't think so. But uh, yeah, statistics suck, and... I <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love it, but it's yeah. yeah, insane. And then the likelihood of taking 5 damage is a 0.0% chance. And I just want to go on record and say I want to prove this wrong. I want to roll 5 with Clea so, one day just to see if it'll happen. So this is rounding. I know. This means that it is less than 0.0049. That's awesome. Um <sighs> Now, this rapidly changes on the injured side. For Red uh, Skull. Yeah, for Red Skull. Because he ch he counts blanks on his injured side also. Yeah, and that moves zero damage to 9.5%, one damage to 28%, and two damage to 34%, and three damage to 20%. Mm-hmm. So, don't do it on your injured side. Do it all the time on your healthy side. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing to note with this chart is when you do out the aggregates, uh, with his health health pool, you uh, with no external damage, Red Skull will not daze himself. He should not daze himself off of just cubes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it'd be a, he's got six health on his on both sides, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, unless something really bad happens, uh, which I don't know how you could do it otherwise with five dice and needing six damage. But either way, yeah, I think that this superpower yeah. specifically, like the power generation that Red Skull brings to a team or because, you know, Red Skull like Clea brings to a team with something like this, I think is really understated mm -hmm. and allows for a lot of flexibility in these yeah. characters. And, mm -hmm. Lexa, as we go through this and discuss Red Skull specifically out of affiliation and kind yeah. of what he does, I want the suits to keep Clea in the back of their mind. And I'm going to keep bringing her up every every so often just because I've got a ton of reps with her. I feel yeah. like I can have this discussion because when she first came in, everybody's like, oh, look, she's baby Red Skull. She is in a way, but she plays a little differently. But I think that it's an interesting ask to say, well... Would I rather have Clea or Red Skull here when they can do similar things, different, but similar oh, yeah. things for mm -hmm. one threat less? So, so um, you get uh, Master of the Cube is very, very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's his reposition. Uh, it's classically been used for gun platforms, but it's also still a great control tool for resetting your pieces when they get pushed off of points. Absolutely. I, I think that the ability to place your own teammates is very underrated. Yeah. And with Red Skull being able to generate his own power to do that, same thing with Clea, she has the same thing, that mm -hmm. it is really great. And when you use it on larger based characters, it gives you an insane amount of distance. Yes. Um. A thing that I forgot, a specific instant case that I forgot to mention with Cosmic Cube, uh, because of just how much power he generates, in Inhumans, you can set up for a turn one and begin with Miss Marvel and a turn one Royal Decree off of Medusa. Oh, yeah. And still have power to interact with an objective. Oh, yes. So the, the way that would work out is Red Skull would pass power to... Ms. Marvel on one yep. turn, then pass power 
to Medusa on another turn. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to get one more power on Ms. Marvel, probably from Red Skull. <laughs> well, so it's it's the way you do it is so you activate Red Skull first, Cosmic Cube, walk forward, interact with your back D. Mm-hmm. Um, and pass a power to Ms. Marvel. Uh, Medusa's turn. Uh, you use the Inhuman's ability to pass a power to Medusa. She can Royal Decree into Double Walk. Or... Yep. Walk up, get a middle F, walk back type thing. Yep. Um, then on Miss Marvel's turn, you pass your last power to Miss Marvel, and she can embiggen. Yep. Because you are getting three additional power on top of your one for turn. That's four power total. You give two to Miss Marvel, one to Medusa, and one on interacting. That is the most power a single model can make in one turn. Including, uh, though Clea can make the same amount because of um, just the way because they have the same ability. Right. So, so here's here's the question that I want to ask you, Lexa. In in humans, would you rather have the four threat Red Skull or would you rather have the three threat Clea that does a similar thing? Uh, I will always prefer four threat Red Skull personally, um, uh, for two reasons. And those are the two major points of difference. First off is Hail Hydra. Mm-hmm. Which, you know that card sacrifice that was in uh, 56% of the top 32 roster slots? I do, I do. So, Hail Hydra is that ability without downside. Yes. You can still explode crits, you can still reroll defense dice. And more importantly, you can use it on models that you normally can't use it on. Mm-hmm. Such as grunts. Yep. Yep. So this is an interesting thing because Hail Hydra is great. It's reverse bodyguard, basically. When someone attacks Red Skull, he if somebody is within range two of him, he can be like, nah, you're gonna attack this person instead. Yes. Um I remember very sorry for bringing this up. Uh, utterly decimating you with it in the advanced R&D match we played. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah. No, it was... It was... Uh, yeah. No, I didn't like Using it. Using it to redirect attacks into Venom, Daredevil, mm-hmm. and Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my whole strategy there was totally upended in that particular match. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I tried some kind of weirdo trap house thing that just did not work very well. But I also played it bad. But that was, yeah. Red Skull, I was really trying to get to Red Skull. Trying to kind of just get rid of him. And it just, Hail Hydra, left and right. Yep. I mean, yeah, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Well played. But, uh, yeah. I really like this ability. I think that it's one of those things that is often overlooked but the thing that i find with red skull in general is that sometimes the the match dictates that you can't have anybody within range two of him and by that point generally you don't want to have someone within range two of him because it doesn't really matter at that point most of the time sometimes um i think he can make really effective use of the split C format though because of this ability specifically. Oh yeah, definitely. And so that's things like the Mayor Fisk or Terrigen Mists? Yes. Yeah. Um he certainly prefers Terrigen over Mayor Fisk. Um because Mayor Fisk does cap his power gen. Right. Yeah, you don't want to be stunned. Yes. Um but even things like intrusions he will be happy on. Yeah, I like intrusions. It's a really slow-scoring crisis, and uh, the the use of the teleport is both a boon and a trap simultaneously. Yes. And I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's a really good ability. It amps up a lot of characters that see medium to low amount of play. Uh, your Sabertooth, your Venoms, your Draxes, your Daredevils. Yeah. 
Oh man, I love Daredevil. <laughs> such um, such an he, underrated character. Yes, um, I've been playing him in my Amazing Peter list. Amazing Peter list. I've I'm, when we're done with talking about Red Skull, I need to hear about the Amazing Peter. So, uh, I'm just going to cut this off. I did an entire episode of Journey Through Limbo on this list. So there if you, you want to like a deep dive discussion on Amazing Peter only web warriors, check that out. Check it out. We're just pumping up everybody else around here today. I love it. I'm always about supporting the community. That's you know? it. That's it. We got to do it. So, yeah, that sounds awesome. Sounds insane. And... The rest of your Red Skull discussion here focuses on his attacks. Yes. And I know that that's definitely an area where I feel like Red Skull can get easily overlooked on what he does on offense because of his support elements. Yes. But he's got some pretty stout attacks, oh, I yeah. think. What do you like uh, about him? He is the cheapest character that can reposition Dormammu two different ways. Oh, really? Yes. Let's 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 find out how he can do it. Uh, cause his builder, his five dice range two physical builder, has a non size restricted wild push on it. Sounds about Red Skull. And his spender, which is secretly, I think, the best spender in the game. Mm. Um. Because he can do it every turn, basically, no matter what, be, uh, with a Cosmic Cube. Mm -hmm. Seven dice range for energy, and energy is the lowest defensive stat. Still, after yes. all this time. <laughs> uh-huh. And if it deals damage, no wild trigger or anything, you get a non-size-restricted throw. Yeah. Which is at least one additional damage, if not four to five additional damage. Mm-hmm. And he also has a wild trigger that gives out stun. I love it. It is it is a very great spender. I'd I'd say it's up there. Yeah. It's definitely up there. I don't know if it's as good as a Hulk smash, but it's pretty close. But it's cheap. And that's what that's the point that you made, and I think that that's the resonant point and the point for I think the suits out there listening to think about when they're thinking about when they look at characters of, you know, co opportunity cost and yeah. what you're giving up to get some of these stronger things versus is there something strong that is at a lower cost that I can also do fun things with. Mm -hmm. And I think Red Skull really fits that bill very well. Yeah. And it's, it's as I put it in the article... Red Skull is not a cog for every machine, but for the machines that he fits into, he is a massive cog. Oh, yeah. I can see it. And, you know, it's we've seen a little bit of Cabal maybe resurgence lately. I don't know if you want to call it yeah. that or something. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where those of us that have been in this game literally since before it started, <laughs> it's... You know, you can get fatigued on certain things, if you will. But, like, Red Skull, his leadership, even, like, you know, this whole article is about splashing Red Skull. But yeah. setting up a list, a roster, where you have a Cabal and insert X other thing to splash Red Skull into, I yeah. think is really strong. And you mentioned Inhumans earlier. Like, I think Inhumans splashing into Cabal is interesting, while also yeah. the... Red Skull splash into Inhumans, very interesting. Uh, I think that's very interesting. I think the Cabal Spider Foes and Red Skull in Spider Foes is very interesting. Um, just because of how much, how much of a house a Red Skull Venom side of the board is. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's not. I I don't want to relive that. <laughs> Um, but no, it's and super I also, good. And Red Skull Shadowlands Daredevil is a thing, I think. Because you give Red Skull a reroll to push through damage on his spender, which he's not complaining about, um, to get that throw. And you can hail Hydra attacks into the grunts. 
if you're not looking to do the pickup extract run to the back of the board with the grunts. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I think that is also a really spicy bit of tech there. And I think that that's kind of finding unique ways to use the grunts is where things are going to kind of open up for them. And this instance, the Hail Hydra into the grunts is a very unique and interesting way to oh, yeah. deal with them. Uh-huh. So, uh, a completely different but interesting grunt-related piece of tech I do want to bring up is I think grunts have made spider foes better. Interesting. Because I think they are the best at dealing with grunts. Oh, you think spider foes are better at dealing with grunts? Yes. How so? Uh, uh, so the two grunts we currently have are very extract-focused. Yep. And generally want to be picking up extracts to one and then running away. It's generally the play pattern I've been seeing from my opponents. Mm -hmm. uh, you can really stall that in its tracks with a Sinister Traps on whatever the near objective for them is. Oh, absolutely. Because that Sinister Traps will spike them out of the game, and if it doesn't, you get a short push that will keep them in the fight, and they gain no power from it because they're grunts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later in the game, well-laid plans can just spike a grunt off the board. Oh, very easily. Just just ask Nate from the Gamers Guild about what kind of bad things well-laid plans can do. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is, I think they have two things that are, one that's close but not quite affiliated in well-laid plans, and one thing that is affiliated that both really deal with grunts and also just the range of Green Goblin to be able to pick them off if you want it to with a hit and run. So after they die, you can move in and pick up the objective even if you're really far away. It's also very potent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I so love yeah, it. they, I think, have a lot more. Also, making them re-roll their one defense die is hysterical. Oh, dude. That is... Utterly hilarious, also super mean. What did these grunts ever do to you? <laughs> they didn't do anything to me. My own dice only rolled two successes. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Gotta get, gotta get rid of them. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's that's really fun. Yeah. And I will say it's kind of interesting. Like spider foes, the way that it works now, you know, the grunts can make. Yeah, you know, like if I'm using the Fury Grunts or the Ninjas, and I mm -hmm. have two successes on my four-dice attack, and my opponent's got a block, the Grunts can make them re-roll it. Yes. Which I think is really cool, because before, they wouldn't have been able to do that because they didn't have power. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really cool and a fun bit of synergy that we get with the new updated Spider-Foes. Yep. Also, just in general, um, I think Flashing Dark Ock and Green Goblin has now become more appealing because Warlight Plants have just gotten better and better. Yes. Uh, especially in uh, Shadowlands, Daredevil, Criminal Syndicate. So you're able to play... I mean, you can really easily make affiliation with all of that and splashing oh, yeah. them into Criminal Syndicate. I think that, that Spider-Foes and Criminal Syndicate as overlap splashes with each other is... Mm -hmm really good i mean it's been good for a while but like with the addition of shadowland daredevil i think it really opens up a lot of play for them mm -hmm. um omnis has been doing a lot of craven in shadowland daredevil oh, i love craven i have been doing being a mean mean monster how so killmonger carnage in shadowland daredevil well that sounds really mean first of all so let me tell you about a tactics card called No Mercy. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's the that's the new one. Here, hang on, let's let's read this tax card so that the suits out there know what it is. So, No Mercy. It's criminal syndicate affiliated and it's reactive. When an allied character would daze an enemy character, the allied character may play this card. This character just gains 3 power. Mhm. Mm just Whenever you're going to daze somebody, boom, you get three power. So, I I asked a question on the rules form about this card. 
Because mm -hmm. you will notice it does not have to be a criminal syndicate character that is that would date a character. Correct. You just have to be playing the criminal syndicate affiliation. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if you are attacking with a carnage, let's say, and you spent down to the Otis Youth Spender, but you managed to date someone. Can you play No Mercy before you have to pay for Paint the Town Red? And the answer is yes. Mm hmm Which means for Angela, Carnage, and X-23, you can always have their frenzy up. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so bad and so good at the same time. You know what I mean? Yes. It's that sounds really fun, and it sounds like one of those things where it's like, if you just want to roll dice and you want to set up yourself for the most success possible while rolling those dice, and you know having your your saves, if you will, there. Oh yeah, I think it's mm -hmm. it's so good. Yeah, no, for sure, it is super exciting, um, and a whole lot of fun. And I've just been having a whole lot of... I played that for one week, and then I played S.H.I.E.L.D. for one week. Mostly as an excuse to play a bunch of Agent Widow, because by God, I love that model. Oh, I love Agent Widow. And I, I'm I'm hoping that we see a little bit of a resurgence of her, too. Because she was one of those characters that was like, oh, yeah, she does the Widow Bomb. And, you know, okay, that's cool. And now, I think with S.H.I.E.L.D., we've got a little bit of, uh -huh. you know, some some more reasons to put her on the tabletop other than just that play. Yeah. No, because that play doesn't exist anymore. But it's just, I, I think that it'd be, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to see her on the tabletop. That's all. That's all uh, I got to say about it. The VP is good. Oh, I know. Interrogate is so great. Uh, and then also, um, I've been splashing Drax in my shield list. Okay. Why Drax in your shield list? Uh, because when you're tied or head on VP, you can give him aggressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is so much fun because it makes it so much harder for them to keep you out. Yeah. Drax with an aggressive style thing. I mean, because all he does, everything he does is that short range. Yeah. So, yeah, now that's really wonderful. Uh. That's Wonderful and terrible, Alexa. You know, every time we talk, you're always coming up with the with these crazy janks that I'm just over here like I don't want to play against that. I don't I don't want to fight that. <laughs> yes, I am. I I've been called by other podcasts the queen of janks, so I'll take it. Yeah, very fair, very fair. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the meta right now. Oh. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Very, you know, and that's the thing, like, when we talk about the meta, I've, I've been adamant many times over that tr there is no true, true, true meta for Crisis Protocol. There's things that people will say, like, at the beginning of a TTS season, for instance, oh my gosh, Black Cat, Dr. Voodoo, ah, you know, and uh, uh, I know. Like no, I finish your point, and then I have a thing to say. Okay, so my point is that you know it'll, the the content creators and and the community at large, you know, look, I love everything that everybody does, and no one's wrong for having that opinion that these are going to be the big bad boogeymen, uh, boogie people, as I will say. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's this idea that, like, oh, yeah, this is the meta. If you're not playing this thing, you're going to lose. And I think that we can look at how the TTS League has unfolded and say mm -hmm. negative. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's that's what I'm getting at here is that I think that a lot of times we get stuck on these conversations of what's the meta thing. And in this game, there's very little that is truly, purely meta. You could say sacrifice is maybe meta right now just as a tool to deal with someone not getting murdered that you don't want to get murdered but outside of that like there's really no one tried and true meta and i think i like that about this game a lot now what's your point so uh 
I think you and a lot of people in this game have a fundamental misunderstanding of what meta is. Ooh. Meta is not the broken thing that will win you all the games. Oh, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, that 100%. Yes. I, don't, I don't feel that way about it, for the record. Meta is a thing that is commonplace enough, uh, is popular enough that designing against it is beneficial in a tournament setting. Interesting. Meta is not a noma of something being good, though generally goes hand in hand with it. Meta is a popularity thing. This is the most popular thing in the game, thus it is the meta, because it is the thing you are most likely to face. Interesting. So I agree with you in this sentiment. I, I think that saying that popularity defines the meta, absolutely. Like a, a few months ago, like last year, when Sam Spam was kind of everywhere, it you could mm-hmm. use it and say that's the meta. And that was also, yeah. you know, when we still had All You've Got and stuff like that. So yeah. there were some things that were kind of more in tune with that and, and whatnot. So saying meta in that perspective Definitely, it was popular, and it was more or less everywhere. But I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that you can discount the idea that people see meta as the broken thing. Yes. So it's, it's. How do I phrase this? So the other things you have to remember about meta is that meta shifts from tournament to tournament. Mm-hmm. Individual tournaments can have internal metas, and that is. That can be radically and functionally different from the larger meta trends as a whole. Um, how do I phrase this? Because um, I, I have esports analogies for things most of the viewers probably don't watch. Ah, uh, well, um, you know, it'll work. So, if you're watching a League of Legends tournament, and suddenly Velkars gets starting to be played, he's not anyway involved, but like... He just is like the flavor of the month for whatever for this tournament. And he starts showing up a lot and thus picking and playing around that the idea that Velkaz is going to be in the game in your preparation suddenly has value, means that he is meta. But that may only be for that one tournament in the very next week of whatever league format they have, once that like MSI or whatever is done, he could just not be anywhere because it was the circumstances of that particular tournament between format and the teams involved and that type of stuff that caused that spike in play. Yeah. But that is still a meta. So meta is... TTS, while our broadest and widest, does have some functionality things that mean that certain types of things, like uh, the Black Order Splash, can be a lot more meta than um, they would be in a, say, five-round tournament game um, across a day. Um, Because when you are investing... The in-and-out nature of it, of playing one game a week and then moving on, um, means there is less blowback for playing high-roll strategies. And a lot of... While the meta is good and helps those high-roll strategies, I think a lot of the meta is built around somewhat high-roll strategies. Interesting. And... What do you specifically mean by high roll strategies, just in case nobody out there understands what that is? Um, especially like things like the Black Order Splash that is trying to just out-dice you. You have a 40% chance to win this game on dice. And whether you win or lose, it's going to be over quickly. That type of thing, because of the in-and-out format and the low stakes, because um, ultimately... I think the, as much as it gets held up as kind of a pinnacle of Marvel Crisis Protocol right now because it was so much in the pandemic era, it is 
low investment because there is no upfront cost. There's relatively low time commitment. Um, so if you scrub out, you can come back next season. Um, and it has a very different functional feel from when you spend 30 bucks and go to a five-round tournament that you're going to be there all day anyway. It leads to a very... It can lead to a different mindset on the value of diciness. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, 100%. And I think case in point is we look at the difference between the top four of the TTS League and the top four of Adepticon. Yeah. The stuff that showed up, because what is it? Guardians, Guardians, Avengers, Guardians, and one other. Are we talking about TTS or... Yes, TTS. Uh, so there's there's two brotherhoods in the semifinals yes. right now. Avengers, Avengers Brotherhood, Brotherhood, Guardians, and Guardians. Yeah. If we look at the Adepticon top four, because mm-hmm. it was X-Men got sword oh, off of right. Omnis, and then we had uh, first place Avengers, if I remember correctly. Yep. Nate had Avengers first place, yep. yep. And I'm trying to remember the other two. From Adepticon, I am not sure honestly, but I I know that it is when you look at it in those again in that terms, I th- I think that every situation is going to bring forth something different, and when you are looking at quote unquote the meta from the perspective of like a content creator talking about mm-hmm. something or you know whatever in that yes. I mean. Obviously, we all are in our own little bubbles in some way or another, right? Yes. So when I think about something as meta, I relate it to how I look at something like Call of Duty because I played a a good bit of Call of Duty Warzone for a while, right? And when you look at something that was meta there, it was popularity was a part of it, but also just flat out being better. Like, mm-hmm. this thing is better for reasons X, Y, Z. The meta and power level go hand in hand because the type of people who generally drive the meta are the, the like, the people we take inspiration from are generally the top players in a game and the top players in a game generally because they are going after things that are powerful. Sure. Yeah. And but what I'm getting at with with this is that when the conversation around meta is is there, you know, I like how you view it in terms of, you know, something being popular. And especially you're exactly right on an individual event basis. Yeah. You, you know, and especially like a local event. Yeah. You know, if if you've got a, a local tournament with twelve or, or sixteen people showing up and it's your normal twelve or sixteen people that you're used to seeing, well then yeah, in terms of meta, like that is a different way to describe a meta. Like a local meta versus a broad meta are two very different things. Yeah. And you know, I know that if I go to my local event, I'm going to see someone playing Inhumans. I'm going to see someone playing X-Force. I'm going to see someone playing Web Warriors. And I'm going to mm-hmm. see someone doing some janky stuff with Doramu, probably. You know, like, mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to see those things. And so I think that it's it's just understanding what meta is versus what it isn't is all I'm getting at when I have this conversation. And when I say that there's not a meta in Crisis Protocol, what I mean is there's not a one-size-fits-all, put this model in your list and you're more likely to win. Yeah. That's what, what I say. What, That's what I What you mean. are referring to is, is this: there is, there is a meta, but there's no tier zero threat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and a point about meta as well is that metas, local metas, smaller metas, will warp around the best players in the in the scene. Um, there is this very fascinating to people like me 
uh, series of threads that have been going on on Reddit for about the last year of a school teacher that has been uh, letting her kid, uh, letting their kids play Guilty Gear Access Core Plus R um, as kind of a reward for getting all their work done during the week. Mm-hmm. And documenting how the meta of this sixth grade classroom evolves. Nice. As kids are starting to learn this almost 20-year-old game. Yeah. And it's fascinating because of how different it is from conventional wisdom. And that at different levels of play, different things have power and value. Exactly. That, I think, is exactly it. Is You know, different things have different value. And, and yeah, no, that, that nails it right there. Lexa, I think you really nailed it right there. Welcome to something I have been thinking about for the last decade as I follow esports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really, it's really insightful. So, uh, I'd like to, uh, I think, end the podcast on that super insightful note. Mm-hmm. And um, just quickly, because I have found it, the other two top four lists were a Midnight Suns Black Order list and what appears to be of an Avengers list um, with a fifth place uh, Spider-Foe's Criminal Syndicate list for Adapticon, which is so completely different than what our top four for uh, TTSO look is looking like oh, by definitely. a mile. Definitely. And the, the final point I'll make, with TTS, the thing is, versus a real-life tournament you're able to tweak and tinker on your strategies over the course of that week and mm-hmm. you know what you're playing into which yeah. informs a lot of your decisions whereas when you go to an in-person tournament you have to try to cover your bases as much as possible yeah so there is because of also the TTS format you can get a lot of pre-prep time oh yeah i have a whole series of pre-prep time lexa <laughs> yes, you do. That was very fascinating, and I'm sorry how they ended, even though I got to commentate that game, and it was really fun. Yeah, well, you know, we'll be back for Season 8. But anyways, yes. Lexa, where can people find you? Um, You can find me at the Morlocks Podcast, wherever podcasts can be found, where we find uh, new homes for the Lost of Forgotten Characters Marvel Crisis Protocol. And then... um. From there, you can find a link to my Patreon if you want to support me, uh, where you get bonus episodes where I get to drag people on to talk about TV and movies, which is never a bad time. Never a bad time. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, Suits, make sure to check out Lexa's Support the Morlocks. Check the link in the description if you want to check that out. Also, you can follow us on the social medias over there uh, Facebook send us messages on Facebook with this week's secret code which Lexa I think I'm going to go with shenanigans because <laughs> you brought forth many shenanigans today don't I always you do you do and it's why we love you so shenanigans is your secret code word for this week's episode and I, I know I'm going to get a message from somebody saying well, all that meta discussion, it should have been meta. I don't well, I don't want to feed the narrative that there's a meta in Crisis Protocol, so no, that's not your secret code word. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's shenanigans. Well, we could always go with academic, which is what I became for the last 20 minutes of the podcast. No, no, it's totally, you're still shenanigans, Lexa. You, you have been and always will be shenanigans. Okay. I can be in it. I get to be an academic as a tweet, apparently. Yeah, that's it. You know, an academic and an intellectual. All of these these things. I am. I the literally have a of book of essays on adventure games sitting right next to me. Love it. Totally. I'm always an academic. an academic. There you go. So, send us the code words, and I'll say words. If you send me academic, I'll allow it. If you send me shenanigans, <laughs> I'll allow it. You will not get double credit for both. Just one or the other. (laughs) So we appreciate that. So send us messages on Facebook or you can send us emails, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Facebook is the easiest uh, 
trackable thing for me. Uh, or you can send messages to Discord if you're on our Discord server, which you can get access to that through our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year. You can support the show, help us grow, uh, help support the giveaways, all that stuff. And there's even an option if you want extra bonus entries to giveaways. That's an option for you as well as part of our Patreon. So you can check that out. And also, if you have an opportunity, please leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content discover us. And it helps the algorithm in general not hate us because algorithms and stuff like reviews. I don't I don't know the technicalities. I'm not an academic like some people. <laughs> as much as an academic as I am, the algorithm is pure black magic. It was probably made in C plus plus. Definitely. I don't even know what that is. But anyways. Lexa, thank it's you so much. Programmer joke. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. See I, that's too academic for me, Lexa. That's over my head. Okay? Over my head. Just Did you hear the breeze of that joke just going right over my balding head? Sure. <laughs> so, anyways, Suits, thank you so much for listening. Lexa, I really appreciate you joining me today. It's been too long. I'm going to have to do it again soon. Yes, we do. And I need to get you back on my show sometime soon. Most assuredly. Party on, Lexa. Party on well. And power down suits. Suits.